The scripture today comes from the 20th chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 7. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, that is the second time that I have heard Chip read that. And on both occasions, I thought, I so wish I had his voice. I, uh, like, I feel like Mickey Mouse now, so, you know, it's crazy, right? Back when I was in high school, I had a good friend whose name was Darren Meyer, and Darren, uh, Darren was a fun guy. He was a really nice guy. He was like a cool guy. He had sort of the cool vibe. You know, he had great hair, and he was Darren, you know, and, and so anyway, we hung out a lot, and I remember one night I went over to pick him up, and we were going to go out with some of our friends, and so just as we're leaving the house, Mrs. T. Meyer, his mom, kind of cornered him in the kitchen, and I can see it like photographically. I mean, it really burned an image in my mind. And she kind of got up on him a little bit like, you know, this is going to be a serious, albeit short conversation. And she said to him, now, Darren, when you're out with your friends tonight, I want you to remember that you bear the T. Meyer name. And, you know, he looked at me like, well, any 17-year-old boy would look at that moment. It's like, can you believe that she's doing this to me? And I just looked at him to kind of console him as if to say, my mom does this to me all the time, though not with that line. You know, and then we left and we went out. And then here's what's happened to me since then. And it's going to happen to you if you're a teenager, so clue in. I got older, probably you've noticed that. And then I got married and then I had kids and, and now... I've had the privilege, really, of becoming the parent to four different people who at one time or another have been teenagers. In fact, Haley just got home from college last Friday, and so on Friday night, uh, I now have, as of Friday night, three teenagers living in my house right now, which, by the way, is tiring, but it's awesome. It's awesome. Like, when our kids grow up and they go off to school, we not only miss them, we miss all their friends. And so on Friday night, Haley came home, and one of her friends showed up, and then my son showed up with, like, six guys, and we made, like, 400 of those little pizza bite thingies, you know, and, and they all ate, and, and I was just standing there thinking, it's 11, when are they going to leave? No, I'm kidding. I was. At 11, I started to think that. But before then, I loved having them there. All right, so here's the deal. I have gone from being the teenager to being the parent who says those kinds of things. And if you're a teenager and you think you're not going to say those kinds of things, and right now you're shaking your head and in your heart you're swearing up and down that you'll never say those kinds of things, just know that you're going to say those kinds of things. Everyone swore they wouldn't, and now they do. And as I look back on that particular comment, I think that Mrs. T. Meyer was onto something because I want you to think about what she was saying. She was saying, Darren, as our son, you bear the name of your father. 
So here's what that means for you. As you go out with your friends tonight, everything that you do and say, everything that you don't do and you don't say, whether you want it to or not, whether you intend to it or not, whether you'd like for it or not, is going to bring dishonor or honor, not just on you, but on the name of your father. And the very clearly implied threat was, and if you misuse or abuse or bring dishonor upon the name of your father, then you're going to have to work that out with your father. And I, I met Darren's dad, and he, he was a nice guy, but he was a little scary, man. Like, I would not have wanted to be on his bad side. He was intense. Why did I remember that story this week? Because as you just heard, we come to the third commandment, in which the Lord God himself comes and he says this. He says, you shall not take the name, so there it is, of the Lord your God in vain. Why? For the Lord your God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And as intimidating as Mr. T. Meyer really actually was, I think we could probably all agree that the God of the universe is infinitely more intimidating. And I don't say that to like freak you out. I don't say that to make you feel nervous or anxious or fearful. I'm not trying to bully you by the fear caused by that into doing this or doing that or not doing this or not doing that. I just say that to make you kind of sit up in your chair and go, hey, whoa, wait a second. This is actually a big deal because it's a really big deal. And it's a really big deal because as Mrs. Tmeyer clearly understood, a name is not just something that we're called. A name represents who we are. And so therefore then, to dishonor the name is to bring dishonor upon everyone who bears that name, isn't it? Think about it this way. I want you to imagine that all of us here today had exactly the same last name, okay? It's a little like West Virginia, okay? Just know that. <laughs> just know that. We all have the same last name. Now I want you to imagine that the last name that we all have is Hitler. Okay, raise your hand if you would change your name. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm assuming you have shoulder problems, that's it. You'd change it, why? Because every Hitler has been a bad person? No, that's crazy. Because one guy has ruined the name. To dishonor the name is to dishonor, at the same time, all those who bear that name. And the name that we're talking about today is the name of God himself. And so God, who gets it and who wants us to get it, says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who misuses or takes his name in vain. The question then being, okay, but then how do we take his name in vain? Because I'm kind of getting the impression that that's something I probably ought not to do. And I would suggest we do it in at least three different ways. The first of which is by taking careless oaths, or really more expansively and more accurately, by failing to be radically truthful people. That's it. One of the things that we haven't talked about, even though we've been talking now about the Ten Commandments for the last couple of weeks, is that in these Ten Commandments, God isn't just coming to us and giving us His provisions or His, His stipulations for this covenant that He's making with His people. He's also literally creating something. Our God is a God who creates by means of His Word. So you learn that on the first couple pages of the Bible. You flip it open and you realize that God creates the heavens and the earth, guys, with how many utterances? Ten. Ten directives. 
Ten words by which he brings light out of darkness and order out of chaos and life out of death. And God here, and the words correspond, give us ten commandments by which he is creating not a heavens and an earth, but by which he is creating a sustainable society. When you remove these laws from society, society collapses. So we'll see in the weeks to come that he'll come to us and say, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, Lord, what are you after with that? What is he doing? He's protecting the family which is the most fundamental component of any society. Thou shalt not kill. What is he protecting? Life. Thou shalt not steal. What is he protecting? Property. And what is he doing here? Because he's up to something here too. This too is creative. God is coming to us with the third commandment, and he is seeking to ensure our fidelity to the oaths that we take with one another as a part of human community and society. You know, one of the things that we all know about each other and about ourselves is that we are not always altogether honest, particularly when, you know, there's something on the line. It's going to be costly to me if I'm honest. It's going to be humiliating to me if I'm honest. And so recognizing that about ourselves, one of the things that we have done as human beings is we have created vows and oaths that we take, not just before each other, but that invoke the name of the Lord our God. And the idea is we take this vow in order to call God as a witness to the vow that we're taking or the oath that we're taking and to add a layer of cosmic accountability. So if I make a vow to you or take an oath with you and I break that oath, you might be able to sue me, for example, you know, here on planet Earth. But I'm also in the back of my mind going, hey, or at least I should be, I took that vow in the name of God. Cosmic accountability too. I used to be an attorney, so some of you know that, and I'm sorry if that discourages you, but it was a long time ago, okay? (laughs) So like 20 years ago, all right? And about 20 years ago, I flew to Pennsylvania, went to Pittsburgh to take some depositions of some treating physicians in a case that I had. And, you know, the court reporter swore the witness in, and it was different than it is in Florida. So in Florida, they'll say, raise your right hand, you know, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. I do. All right, well, in Pennsylvania, at least 20 years ago, it was I, state your name, do swear by Almighty God, the searcher of all hearts, that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and that, meaning in that I will do this, as I shall answer to God at the last great day. I wanted to stand up and applaud. That was the greatest oath I'd ever heard. That's about enough to make you a Steelers fan, man. I mean, that was amazing. Oh, don't get too excited. It's not going to happen. But here's the deal. When you take an oath like that, you know what you've done. Whether you take it seriously or not, whether you believe that there's a God or not, at the very least you recognize, okay, if there is a God, I have called him to hold me accountable at that last great day. But what about those that don't invoke the name of God? Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. What do you do with that? Is that like, I mean, is, does that matter? Is it, do, I, do I need to keep that oath? What about when you just give your word to somebody? Hey, I'll do that for you. Hey, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to take care of this. I'll call this person. I'll follow up on that. Uh, you know, whatever it may be. What about that? Arquette Hughes, who's a pastor in Wheaton, Illinois, really a, a good commentator on the Bible, very pastoral, says this, and I think he's right on. He says, any promise we make, any promise we make, 
whether we call God as witness or not, is made in the presence of God and therefore must be kept because as Christians indwelt by the Holy Spirit, God's name is automatically inserted, whether we verbalize it or not, any Christian life other than one which is radically sincere and truthful misuses the name of the Lord our God. Jesus comes to us and he says, listen, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And the word Christian means Christ one, one that is like Christ in some sense, a Christ follower. He is himself the truth. And when we fail to embody truth, we fail to embody him and misuse his name. Get the idea? So we misuse the name of the Lord by taking careless oaths, or really by failing to be radically sincere and truthful people. Uh, But we also do this by using careless speech. So here we go. Oh my God, dear God, Jesus Christ, OMG, which all my kids have told me means, oh my gosh, but that didn't help me because gosh is a euphemism for God. So now what do you do? You're like, I didn't know that. Now you do. You're welcome. So then they said, no, 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 it means, it means, oh my goodness. And I said, well, then why isn't it O-M-G-D-N-S? Because the entire rest of the English-speaking world reads, oh my God, when they see O-M-G. And I know what you're thinking right now. So first of all, you're thinking, wait, gosh, is a euphemism for God. Wow, okay. But then secondly, you're thinking, good grief, do we not have something more significant to talk about than this? Because I brought my friends and this is ridiculous. This is really, like, this is, I'm embarrassed right now. Like, are, are you serious about this? It doesn't matter whether I'm serious about it. Well, I mean, it matters for me and the Lord. The question is, is God serious about this? And when I turn into his word, I find stories that illustrate how serious he is about his name. So in the book of Leviticus, for example, there's this story about a man who has an Egyptian father and an Israelite mother. And you're like, well, how did that happen? Well, if you've been with us in the study of the book of Exodus, you know, because when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, they didn't go alone. They came with a mixed multitude. Many of the Egyptians left. They had seen their gods defeated. They realized the God of Israel, that's the true God. So they left with these people that had formerly been their slaves. Think about that. And one of them married an Israelite woman. They had a son who then got in a fight. And in the fight, it says that he blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed, the idea being that he did it intentionally. And I know that maybe now you're thinking, well, okay, so then that's my out, you know, because I don't do it intentionally. Like it just flies off my fingers and it just comes cruising out of my mouth. I I don't even think about it. Okay. But is that better or worse? God, I care so little about your name that honestly I never even think about it. I just use it any way that I want. It never even occurs to me that it matters or what I'm saying. This man intentionally blasphemed the name of the Lord and he cursed. And so they brought him to Moses. Moses brought him to God. And then in Leviticus 24, beginning in verse 13, and it's good that we're all seated. Take a deep breath. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring him out, bring out of the camp, the one who is cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation of Israel gulp, stone him to death. 
And then speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. And the sojourner, meaning the foreigner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. And listen, nobody is arguing for the death penalty for this today. I get that, and I'm very grateful for it. But please don't think that God has changed his estimation of the value of his name. He hasn't. Something to think about. So we misuse the name of the Lord by taking careless oaths or failing to be truthful, by using careless speech. But then lastly, we we misuse the name of the Lord by living a careless life. And we kind of covered that. I mean, that's the lesson of Mrs. Tmeyer. Hey, Darren, when you go out with your buddies tonight, okay, whether you like it or not, intend for it to or not, want it to or not, Everything you do and say, don't do and say, that is going to bring honor or dishonor not just upon you, but upon the name of your father. And if you do that, your father is going to be unhappy and you're going to have to work that out with your dad. So be careful with the name. It's exactly what the Lord is saying here. He's saying, guys, be careful with my name, for I am your heavenly father through faith in Jesus, which brings us to the prayer that Ryan led us in just a few minutes ago. Jesus teaching us to pray. I want to rehearse it. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, and then what? Hallowed be thy name. And everything that comes after that serves that idea. In other words, thy kingdom come. Okay, yeah, but to what end? Well, Lord, ultimately, that your name might be hallowed. Thy will be done. Why? So that your name might be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. That is to say that it might be hallowed on earth perfectly, just the way that it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So physically and spiritually, we have the strength and the wisdom by which to live in such a way as to actually, bring, actually hallow your name. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in doing so, we show forth who you are and what you're like. And your name is hallowed. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil so that we might hallow your name. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Which is really helpful, but only if you know what it means to hallow the name of God. And we don't really use that language anywhere else. So what does it mean? Well, when you go to the Heidelberg Catechism and you look at question 122, I really think it gives you the best answer out there. So the question is, what is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer? It's that God's name might be hallowed, but like, but what does it mean is the idea. So here's the answer. Hallowed be your name means grant us, Lord, first rightly to know you and to hallow or magnify and praise you in all your works in which your power and goodness, and justice, and mercy, and truth shine forth, which is a wonderfully beautiful statement. So much said and so little, but what does that mean in terms of the way that we play it out in our lives? I think what it means is that if, for example, you are completely indifferent to matters of justice, then you are misusing the name of the Lord your God with your life, because God is a just God, and your goal is to hallow his name. It's to reveal him. It's to make him known. If you're completely indifferent to the poor, here again, you are misusing the name of the Lord our God, violating this commandment. How? 
by failing to reflect him and his ac- in him accuracy, his character, his nature accurately. You carry his name. If you don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, if you're willing to bend the truth in order to get what you want, he is truth. You get the idea? Hallowed be your name. Well, that means grant us first, Lord, rightly to know you, to hallow, magnify, and praise you in all your works in which your power, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth shine forth. And further, the catechism continues, that we so order our whole life, our thoughts, words, and deeds, that your name may not be blasphemed, but honored and praised on our account. Why? Because again, a name is not just something that we're called. It represents who we are. And in this case, the who we are is God himself. So now you're probably thinking, all right, well, this would have been helpful however many years ago it was that I was born, uh, but the toothpaste is a bit out of the tube on this one. Like, horse has left the barn, cat has left the bag, I'm out of analogies. But you get the idea, like, it's too late for me. (laughs) So now what do I do? Because the Lord will not hold him guiltless. I didn't miss that part. You said it like three times. Who takes his name in vain. And that's where the gospel comes in. God is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. He is a God who wants a relationship with you. And we're the ones who have blown it with him. And we can't fix what we've blown. We can't go back and do it over. It doesn't work that way. Life just keeps marching, doesn't it? And we keep accumulating all of this stuff. And so what has he done? He has sent into the world Jesus, who, if you think about it, suffered and died very much like that man that we read about in Leviticus. That man was taken outside of the camp. Jesus was taken outside of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. That man had capital punishment inflicted upon him justly in his case. Jesus endured capital punishment because that's what I was owed. And in his infinitely righteous and infinitely valuable person, he suffered and died what we deserve so that we can be forgiven and filled with the Spirit of the Lord and have our minds renewed by the Word of the Lord and really get to a place where by His power we would so order our whole life, our thoughts, words, and deeds, that His name may not be blasphemed, but honored and praised on our account. That's the mission in broad terms. So I'm going to ask you three questions and then I'm done. Question number one, are you living a radically truthful life? Does that describe you? Because it describes Jesus. And in ever-increasing fashion, it needs to describe His people. We ought to be a people of truth. Is there some area of your life or some person about whom or with whom you need to be totally honest? Okay, question two. Are you misusing the name of the Lord when you speak or write or text? That one's pretty easy, isn't it? You don't have to think a lot about that one. You can figure that one out real quickly. Question number three. What might the Lord be calling you to do in order to bring Him greater honor by the way that you live? Things in your life that you need to lay down and let go and get rid of. Deal with, finally, that do not reflect Him. And things in your life that you need to take up so that you might exalt His name. So chew on those things, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank You that, um, that You have sent Your Son, Jesus, into this world. 
infinitely valuable and infinitely righteous. The perfect life lived in the place of very imperfect lives like mine. God, I pray that you would drive us by faith to find our forgiveness and our wholeness and our wellness, our hope, our joy, our light, our life through faith in him. God, wash away by the power of the blood of Jesus shed for all those who will claim it, all of the many ways that we have misused your name and all of the many ways uh, that we have sinned against you in completely other respects. God, make us finally and fully clean, forgiven, whole, and fill us with your Spirit. God, renew our minds and change our vision of you that we might see you for who you really are and learn how with our lives to lift you up in our families and offices, Lord, in our schools, in our relationships, and in this city and in the world. Do this, for your name is great. May it be greatly exalted in Jesus' name. Amen.